Untitled Beatles Podcast. TJ, as you say, it is summer. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Summer is the time to fuck around. I have different <laughs> rules for our six-year-old in summertime that carries that oh. super new because I'm like, yes, you can have as much dessert as you want. Yes, you can do ice cream twice a day. You can stay up and watch the <laughs> NBA finals with me. Carrie's like, he's got camp tomorrow morning. I'm like, it's camp. It's summer. Let him stay up all night. Then the next morning, he's grumpy and pooping. Ah. Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. I'm TJ Shanoff and Tony, breaking news, it is summer. Mm. It is summer, man. You know, even the nights are brighter, TJ. Or better if you are an actual Oops. air supply fan. <laughs> That's what I meant. I'm not good with lyrics, man, but that was one of my favorite songs <laughs> is of that 1982. Really? Yeah, okay. man, because that would come on the radio. I, I I dig air supply, man. If you get that Greatest Hits album that's got the boat on it or whatever the hell on the cover. No, I think it's like a drawing of the two of the two guys. Man, that's you can't even talk. You can't even say anything bad about that record. Well, I'm impressed that the drawing of the two guys looks like a boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it was one of those early posters that you had to stare at and cross your eyes a little bit, and then you see it. You know, oh, that's the one where Ariel has a dick. <laughs> yep. Am I confusing? Yeah, it was one of the guys from Air Supply. Yeah. So there you go. We solved that one. Yes, if it sounds like I'm slightly under the weather, it's because I am. I'm recovering from the wonderful new disease that's out there, COVID-19. Oh, the made-up lib disease? <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but maybe I actually sound pretty good. I can't tell, man, but I'm glad to be here with you. My health is fine, so don't worry about me. How are you, friend? I'm good, man. I'm glad you're better. Uh, you know, I went through it in May or late April, and it sucks, and it's no fun, and it's another PSA Get the booster, get vaccinated if you haven't been. It's good for you and good to protect the vulnerable in your orbit. It is true. I got it while working, FYI, and uh, that's how that went. So, But uh, we're not here to talk about that, man. We're talking about a strangely prolific year for the Beatles, 1982. Yeah, this is a year that as you and I kind of organically and let's be honest, orgasmically uh, came to the conclusion <laughs> at the same time. This is a year that not just for Beatles releases, but for general music and pop culture, you and I both have a very weird, different in some respects and similar in others, a very weird connection to the pop culture music of 1982. We're 80s kids. There's a lot of years yeah. like 85 is meaningful for some respects, 83 with a lot of the, you know, yeah. the synchronicity and Huey Lewis sports. But there's something about 1982 that is a sweet spot in my Beatles and general musical development. And I get the feeling you share a similar thing with this crazy prolific year. Yeah. It is, yeah. It, it was uh, the summer, especially, was a summer unlike any other in my childhood. And, uh, I'll just tease you like that, you know. <laughs> it's like people waiting with bated breath, but about to hear my seven-year-old 
experiences from the summer of 82. She was a 22-year-old teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was Mary Kay Letourneau's first, so... (laughs) But not her last. (laughs) But not her last. No, R.I.P., uh, R.I.P. Mary Kay. Yeah, man. No, but before we get to all that, let's do some general housekeeping, TJ. We got a, we got a couple things to get to, actually, before we, we delve hardcore into uh, 1982. Also a good year for hardcore punk rock. Fix my motor. Turn my and hardcore Harry porn. <laughs> it's true. I'm Harry porn. Call me by my nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Who voiced Harry Porn? Was it Rip Torn? <laughs> For a whole year, I concentrated equally on two things, fucking and world enterprises. Gee whiz. Well, it is the Untitled Beatles podcast. If you like what you're hearing so far, I'm not sure yet. Oh, well. Rate and review us. Um, we're on the Spotify. We're on the Apple Podcasts. We're wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't know where you are right now. Where are you, TJ? Uh, you mean emotionally? Sure. Uh, in a real dark place because America's dead. Um, yeah, we're all fucked. Uh, I'm in my home right now with a collection of show and tell Beatles items from 1982 that we're going to get to later because nobody can see what I'm showing and nobody can understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, you know, if I, if I had my stuff with me, which I don't, I would try to dig up this cassette. Probably in the early 90s, I got this. I think in 93 or 92, I bought this at a record show for like five bucks. And it was just a, a, a blank cassette of the Beatles Get Back sessions. But when you put in side one, you heard John Lennon going through I'm the Greatest. And thanks to our, our listener, Star, I put it into the Star's search on Discord, and I said, Star, can you find this bootleg that I can no longer listen to because it's on a cassette? It's like takes one through four of John Lennon playing I'm the Greatest, also in the same room, George Harrison and Ringo Starr. It was the closest they got to a Beatles reunion. Uh, When was it? It was in 1973, I think, right? Let's take a listen now to a little bit of, uh, yeah, I'm the Greatest. Where can I hear Beatles bootlegs? Stars! What does your husband think about bootlegging? Part of the people. Okay, 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 okay. Same to you. Two, three. How, how was it? Two, one, two, three, four. One, two. 
But it is amazing because Lennon keeps restarting the song. It's a bit, uh, he thinks the tempo's off and he keeps counting the tempo out, but it's always the same tempo he's counting <laughs> out. And I found it to be one of the funniest Beatle bootlegs ever. And for the longest time, I thought it was part of the get back thing, you know, because that's how it was. It was, that's how they started the cassette. Awesome. And I have heard that before. Or at have least, you? Yeah, yeah. It, it was hard to find. Yeah, she found it on, she got it on YouTube rather quickly. Thank you, Star, for that edition of Star's Search. Same to you. Star Search. And we have a listener correction. Correction. In our part three episode of Sergeant Pepper, we were talking about Lovely Rita. And how Paul had that one intro on, I think it's take nine or something, and speech. You can get it on the box set now. And we referred to what he was saying as gibberish, right? Yeah, it sounded like gibberish. Well, it turns out he was speaking Latin. And one of the phrases... Is uh, it was the school motto, the school that him and George went to. The first bit we have is Latin, non nobis solum, said toti mundo nati, which is the motto of the Liverpool Institute, which means not for ourselves, but for the whole world where we born. Not for ourselves, but for the whole world where we born. He uses that line in Liverpool Oratorio. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah, so Brian in Milwaukee was the one who alerted us to that. In your last episode, you mentioned the Latin phrase that Paul says in one of the tracks from Sergeant Pepper. I thought you'd get a kick out of knowing that he was repeating his old school motto, which he later used in the Liverpool Oratorio. George Harrison went to the same school. Later, we, we did have little sort of moments thinking, wow, you know, it's strange that two of the Beatles should have this school motto saying, not for ourselves, but for the whole world will we born. So thank you, Brian, in Milwaukee. We love Brian in Milwaukee. I appreciate the correction and a couple nice correspondences. I do want to say Packers suck. Shabbat. I was going to say in Hebrew school, TJ, did they teach you Latin? Uh, Pig Latin, which isn't (laughs) kosher. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I think we got all the fucking (laughs) housekeeping out of the way. (laughs) Let's talk about 1982, man. 1982. Uh, This is a, I guess it ended up being a huge year. I would have been seven years old. You would have been a year older than me, eh? That's right. I was eight, eh? Take off, eh? Take off, eh? 82 song. Take off to the great white Decent singing, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, 1982, it was the debut of what became my favorite program years later, Late Night with David Letterman. Silver Spoons. Oh, sorry. I thought I knew you. Here we are, face to face, a couple of silver. 
I remember you saying to me once, I always want to be the rich kid on the train in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) And he's become crazy, by the way. He has. And I want to say Silver Spoon's probably was 83 because he had a coin-op Dragon's Lair machine, which I think didn't come out till 83. Okay, I thought it was fall of 82, but you may be right. I may be crazy. All right, y'all. This is Tony. I did some research, very important research. Episode one of Silver Spoons did come out fall of 1982. And the video games in the pilot episode are Pac-Man, Tempest, Asteroids, and what looks like Defender. The Dragon's Lair Machine did not come until the second season, in 1983, when Dragon's Lair was officially released. So we're both right about these very important topics. That was like my favorite video game for the longest time. Wow, okay. I don't remember that one. Oh, it was amazing. It was a cartoon. Do you remember? It was just a joystick and a sword button. Dragon's Lair. Don Bluth did the animation, and it was Dirk the Daring, and Daphne, and the Lizard King, and Nacha Morrison, a different Lizard King, <laughs> and the Giddy Goons. Anyway, it was an amazing video game. It cost 50 cents back then, or two tokens. It was... Lead on, adventurer. Your quest awaits. Also, the compact disc was introduced in Germany in 1982. TJ, your favorite Broadway show, Cats, opened in 1982. Yeah, and that thing played forever. Cats opened in a theater that I think that sat dormant after Beatlemania closed, the Winter Garden in New York. Yeah, the Winter Garden. After Beatlemania left, Cats opened in Winter Garden and played for like 20 years or something. Cats, now and forever at the Winter Garden Theater. Call Telecharge for tickets. I love Cats. Some movies that were in 82, E.T., Tron, Annie. Those are the three I saw. Now, did you see Grease 2 in the theater, TJ? You had to have, right? I did. I saw it in theaters multiple times, had the soundtrack, had the uh, on vinyl and cassette. Yeah, Grease 2, which came out June that year, maybe? or like it, it was Memorial Day weekend type of movie. It was either May or June. Nice. Of, of 82. And yeah, I mean, I, I just, I loved it. It's a, it's a big, big part of the year. I mean, Grease 2, one of the hits of 82, Gave us a resurgence of the four tops with their opening number back to school again. They hadn't been in the charts in ages. And Grease 2 tried to do what happened to Frankie Valley for the first Grease. Frankie Valley had the hit with the theme song. Right. They tried to do the same with the four tops uh, with the song called Back to School Again. And backed on the 45 for some reason by the awful number Rockahula Luau, performed <laughs> by the cast. <laughs> other movies from 82 include First Blood, which I just saw for the first time the other night, and it's great. I really liked it, actually. Uh, 48 Hours, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, yeah. Porky's, Tootsie, The Thing, John Carpenter, good movie, Poltergeist, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, amazing soundtrack. Yeah. We'll get into that. And, uh, and your favorite of the Rocky franchise is Rocky I.I.I. Rocky I.I.I., which, <laughs> uh, which was just before Rocky I.V. <laughs> it's where, where Drago got the needle in his arm. 
That's why they called it that, because of Drago, Rocky IV. See you? Because he was pumping roids and Rocky was carrying logs through the Russian, Siberian, <laughs> snow-covered wilderness. <laughs> I, I, I will say about Rocky Three as we get into the songs of that year, it gave us the greatest of all the Rocky songs, or at least the most lasting of all the Rocky songs. I, the Tiger... Yes. They still play that at like random professional sporting events. Like that song is equally cliched and fucking great. I love that song, man. Man, the last time I was ever good at a roller rink was that year, and that song came on, and man, I started lapping people up. I was like flying around the roller rink. It was the only time I was ever good on roller skates, ever. Uh, but I can see you skating because the intro to that music is like an improvement on, on Edge of 17. It's the same riff, but it's improved. Just like the water wing does, sings the songs Stevie Nicks is the sexy version, and Eye of the Tiger is like the, yeah, the Clubber Lang version or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah, and Stevie Nicks is like, you know, Lady Jim Pederick. Yeah, it was actually Stevie Nicks who made my summer very magical. Uh, it wasn't uh, Mary Kay Letourneau. Some bands that formed in 1982, Concrete Blonde, Two Live Crew, uh, Chumbawamba, Nitzer Ebb, these are all Latin phrases, <laughs> uh, Charday, Shade, Beat Happening, Scratch Acid, The Pogues, The Smiths, Your Favorite Skinny Puppy, mm-hmm. Wasp, Voivod, uh, Swans, They Might Be Giants, and Wet, Wet, Wet. Uh, so the last two, both of our favorites, because you're a big wet, wet, wet guy. What did you say? That you, you sent me the cover of them doing Little Help from My Friends, and I didn't know if you yeah. were doing it straight enough. So we're back, and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. And you're like, no. No, it's no. not. I said not good. Not <laughs> good. Bands that called it quits in 1982 yeah. include ABBA. Clateau, mm. or is it Clateau? I don't know. Beatles album, because it was on Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles finally broke up in 82, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in Canada with Clateau. <laughs> uh, Bad Company, the Doobie Brothers, Captain Beefheart put out his last record. Grandmaster Flash called it quits. and Well, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Blondie, Squeeze, The Jam, The Knack, The Slits, The Vapors, The Blues Brothers because Belushi died. Uh, though I, I want to say they kept going, right? Didn't they have like lookalikes that did Vegas and that kind of thing? I prefer the Blues Brothers with uh, Jim Belushi and lookalike Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, me too. You bit off more than we could chew, Jake. Look, you go bite what you want to bite, and I'll go bite myself. That reminds me, Baywatch is on tonight. Will tape. And one last band that called it quits in 1982, the Shirelles. Really? <laughs> Yeah. The Shirelles, man. Did you ever think they would outlast the Beatles by like 
you know, they lasted like three times as long as the Fab Four. The charts called them quits in 1962. Yes, <laughs> baby, it's you. Hey, well, you know, you can't pick your fans. <laughs> you can't appear on OnlyFans. How come we're not on OnlyFans? Oh, we are, TJ. I, I, I do a thing on the side. I, sh- I should cut you in on that. <laughs> Is it boys on the side? Topical film reference. Um, uh, only fans. I mean, we could do a John Lennon parody of only people and see what happens. Yeah. Well, our only fans is just the two virgins cover. Just, you know, we, <laughs> we had a, someone animate it. <laughs> so enjoy that. It's on our only fans. It's uh, untitled Beatles podcast.com slash lonely fans. And we switch John and Yoko's parts. <laughs> Let's go. So in 82, 1982, man, it ended up being a very prolific year for the Fab Four, both as a band, posthumously, yeah, who knew? And then also uh, separately, obviously, minus John in life, but, you know, but John also put out material in 82. Uh, should we go kind of chronologically on this? Like, I think that's the way to go, man. Chronologically. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. I'm man. into some chronic logic. Let's do it. Chronic logically. <laughs> Spark it up. You want to get high? <laughs> I, know, I know you love angry ranting, <laughs> but let's get fucking high. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant Psychedelic Slaughter over here. <laughs> this is Sergeant Slaughter. I have re-enlisted with Hasbro, and we're taking no prisoners. Well, in March, man, the Beatles put out their your favorite album, Real Music, and that's R-E-E-L. It's all Beatles fishing songs. You know, uh, Ringo, Ringo whistling the Andy Griffith theme is worth the <laughs> price alone. Yeah, it's uh, Glass Onion because they mentioned the Cast Iron Shore. It's uh, Octopus's Garden. <laughs> what are some other nautical yellow submarine? You know, you can fish in a submarine technically. No, haha. No, this is real music. <laughs> These are all the songs that were on their in their films. TJ, real music released March twenty two. Of 1982. I'm pretty sure this record is the entirety. Every song on this record is from 62 to 66 and 67 to 70, with I think the exception of I Should Have Known Better. Yeah. Right? That's not on the Red Album. No, not on the Red Album. No. So all these songs have been reissued before. This, I fell in love with this album. Let's talk about this for like two minutes. This album made it to number 19, this rehash, the first Beatle collection after John Lennon was no longer on this this earth. Yeah, yeah. This came out in 82, the first Capitol collection, I should say. And the artwork of this which is kind of like an art deco. It's got like the capital, like it's a movie theater um, with the movie titles up on an old kind of movie marquee. Yeah. Objectively, the artwork is an atrocity. And Tony, <laughs> I fell in love with it at eight years old. When I bought my condo when I was 29, I had a promo poster of this I found on eBay framed in an art deco frame and hung up on my piano. Multiple friends and at least a couple of girlfriends, including the woman I married, all said, wow, I know you love the Beatles, 
but that's terrible. <laughs> their necks aren't quite on their bodies right. They don't look anything like the Beatles. It's them and their characters with the walrus popping out. Get it? I am the walrus. And the faces are deformed. It's an atrocity. <laughs> they use the same cover for the movie medley F45, not on the album. And uh, I just, right. Tony, sentimental me. I love it. I have the eight track. It's very hard to find. We got it on eight track tape. A uh, new still when they sealed, were clearing right? them out. No, I opened it because we played it a couple times in our car, but uh, we got it new when Peach's records on Diversity and Sheffield, when okay. they when Peach's was getting rid of eight tracks, we bought it there as like a cutout. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That cover illustration, by the way, is credited to David McMacken. So <laughs> send uh, david.mcmacken at com. You can send him all your correspondences about that. Oh. Yeah, it's a goofball cover, man. It is so silly. It's <laughs> it's a little fanficy, you know. It's 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 what it is, man. Uh, that said, there are some mixes that are unique to this record that aren't on others. The stereo UK mix of "I Am the Walrus." And I believe Hard Day's Night yeah. and Ticket to Ride were both um, like the official of stereo mixes for the first time in the U.S. And they all sound great. The album as a whole never reissued on Capitol. This isn't one that you'd find on like the... The, uh, the rainbow label or the uh, the purple capital. This was only available in this one pressing. Still a gold record, by the way. Enough people bought this. We're charted at number 19. But yeah, it's I, I listened to it just this morning. I hadn't heard this start to finish in many, many years. As a vinyl, it sounds great. Way better than like uh, most of the Red Album pressings. It's actually, mm. the album was criticized for being unimaginative. You know, it doesn't have, you know, from Yellow Submarine, like, can you put an obscure tune? Can you put only a Northern song or something beyond the obvious yellow submarine? There's no surprises here. There's no, I need you. It's, um, and no. I love her instead of if I fell the running order, this is not all that long. Um, but it's a great record, Tony. There's one incongruent moment to me listening to the vinyl when it goes right from Ticket to Ride to Magical Mystery Tour. I mean, they're both great <laughs> Beatles songs. And if, you know, it's it's just weird hearing everything chronologically. And then that jump is kind of odd. That is a weird jump, man. Yeah. Another unique mix is I Should Have Known Better. Yes. This was a unique stereo mix where the harmonica drop was fixed, and it was never released ever, and that was only on capital pressing, so it's not on a parlophone or anything. So that was unique to the United States, and it was never that mix was never found on any other pressing thereafter.
Also, you said it was a, a gold record, right? I believe so. Did you know, TJ? I don't know if you know this. Yes, I know but, what you're going to say. Okay, but in the U.S. and Canada, there uh-huh. was a limited edition gold vinyl release of this record. Do you have that? Tony, I have the Parlophone and Capital pressings of this. I don't have the gold colored record. Oh. I don't have it. They're, those copies are all numbered. I've seen them. It just, it's low on my collect. I mean, having the eight track and the C4 cassette final issue of this from 92 <laughs> with the, having a copy of Real Music with the Apple logo on it makes my bone phone ring. It's just like, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. How cool that 10 years later, it's on tape with an Apple logo in 92. Um, but no, I do not have the uh, the colored vinyl version. I do have the souvenir booklet that came with it. Have you held one of these? Have you seen this? No, no. That would be the only reason I would buy this. Um, you can get it on Discogs, but make sure it's got the booklet. A lot of them don't have the booklet. Yeah, the booklet looks cool, man. Decent photos from the films. Magical Mystery Tour, it's half the photos they use in the booklet. And in 78... Capital stopped pressing the Magical Mystery Tour album with the special souvenir booklet. Right. As we've talked about, they put a purple bar purple over. Purple bar, Includes 14-page yeah. booklet, imaginatively a purple <laughs> bar. But you can find a lot of it in here, which also jacked the list price. This was like a deluxe set. So, yeah, man, this is nice. The back, it's got a bunch of the American, uh, the back of the souvenir booklet is a bunch of the American lobby cards. That's cool. But as you might imagine, Tony, my favorite part of this is... In the UK and America, one side of the dust cover was exactly the same with the film strips. The back side of the dust cover in the UK is just black, and it says Beatles Real Music on it. The American had the Capitol albums, and <laughs> this is scotch taped up from when I was like 12 because I would just stare at this fucking thing. It's got all the albums, including Beatles Story, up through <laughs> Rarities, and it's just so fun to see them all. <laughs> and that's in chronological order, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love that their fifth album was Beatles Story. <laughs> that's right. Does that mean Beatles 6 is next? No. No, but Beatles VI is actually Beatles 8 because A Hard Day's Night wasn't oh, a, right. a Capitol album back in the day. Right. And they didn't count Beatles Story when they titled Beatles VI. Ah. <laughs> we, we both need legitimate help. I'm getting some. It's not working. Well, speaking of something that needs legitimate help, let's talk about the Beatles movie Medley. Help! Which I believe our producer, KC is uh, hard at work compiling an updated version that encompasses all the the new mixes, I believe. I believe. I think you're mistaken, Tony. Mm -hmm. Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. Casey finished it by the time this airs. Whoa! Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. Exclusive. Throwdown! Yeah, maybe we should do that at the at the end. Maybe that's our postscript for this show, is the uh, the movie medley. You'll have to stick around and find out, won't you? <laughs> well, so apparently the Beatles movie medley was inspired by stars on 45, man. What do you think of that? Let's do it! You gotta beat the clock. You gotta beat the clock. I love that weird 70s basketball lingo in this Swedish Beatles disco. Well, the clock did you wrong, man. I would beat the clock too, man. Time is not on my side, man. I'm going to beat that no, clock up. <laughs> which but which is a better version of that? The Stones or the one by the uh, Culture Club? I think I just made up a Culture Club song. 
Don't they have a song called Time Is Not On My Mind? Uh, <laughs> oh, what's a culture club song about time? Man, I don't know. Time won't give me time, and time makes lovers feel. That one, what's it called? A new solid gold, number one song, Time, Clock of the Heart. Ladies and gentlemen, Culture Club. Okay, what the fuck are we <laughs> going to talk about? Movie medley. Right. Yeah. This is something that Capital wanted to do. Parlophone wanted nothing to do with it. They said that the idea was tacky or that the 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 product itself was tacky, which I agree. Yeah, but it <laughs> sold there was such demand for it, Parlophone wound up printing it and pressing it. They did. Yeah. They did. They gave into popular demand from all the the Beatles sniffers and the Beatles sweaties, all the, the all those Beatle people are like, I gotta gotta hear those songs compiled terribly. That's <laughs> us, by razor the way. blade edits. That's that's you and me at this age in eighty two, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yes and no, right? Yes and no. A full disclosure, I never did buy real music because I already had the red album. You know what I mean? Like Maybe I'll get one of those gold copies. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I'll trade you my half-speed master of, of <laughs> I don't know, sometime in New York City. Um, yeah. Uh, I uh, I had this speak when it came out in real time because I was bought. I was being bought Beatle things that came out in real time, and the records all beat up. It's got all my handiwork all over it, and having not listened to it in many years. Pick it up, Tony, because the vinyl is a trip start to finish, and the songs, it's mastered really, really nicely. This was never made available on CD like the other right. American-derived compilations, love songs, rock and roll music, etc. Um, ne- rarities never issued on compact disc. And it, it'd be nice if there was a box set, if Universal Calderstone's listening to this podcast and getting hmm. ready to sue us. Hey, oh well, hi. <laughs> hey, okay. How's it going? Good afternoon. Everything is going extremely well. But I think a box set of all the Capitol compilations like they did with the Capitol albums, I'd buy, I'd spend money on a, like a, a box set with rock and roll music, real music, love songs. It'd be fun to have and hold. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, man. Why not? Yeah. I mean, the world's better for, for more things. Now, are you going to add file under rock to that list, man? I want that on vinyl. There's a very limited vinyl pressing of that. That's like $500 on me, but that's uh, what I want. So silly. So silly. Yeah, can't do it. But if you're a millionaire, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep subscribing so we can become millionaires and we'll, we'll, we'll pass the savings down to you on that vinyl. <laughs> we'll send you one vinyl song in the mail. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast, where you always save more, <laughs> more money. money. At Salozzi Edelson Chevrolet in Elmhurst, where, where you, you always save more money. <laughs> Which one are you? Are you Salozzi or are you Edelson? <laughs> okay, I'll break it down for you, my friend. You're John Salozzi. I'm Paul Edelson. You know their first names. Oh, <laughs> no. are you doing Beatle names? <laughs> John and Paul. <laughs> She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. And she don't care.
Tony, this is an atrocity. I mm. mean, the way this is edited and some songs are sped up, I mean, at least Stars and 45, despite the bad uh, covers from people who don't speak English, although I do <laughs> love it, um, uh, you know, at least there was like a rhythm and a pulse to most of that. This is just, unlike Stars and 45, these are just kind of haphazardly edited. And to a larger extent than Giles and George Martin found when they edited the Love soundtrack, Ringo's drumming, even within a particular song, is never metronome tight. So splicing and editing Ringo is not easy. It's not easy. No, it's not easy to match the beat. If you're trying to do the thing that DJs and clubs do with two records going and you match up the, you mark up your LP and you match the beat somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite work that way. So yeah, so this movie medley, it's just hard cuts, really. And some of them kind of work and some of them just don't work at all. So we'll see if we can improve on it with uh, consumer technology in the year 2022. One moment as someone who lived in this 45 when it came out, Tony, that will always stick in my head is the drums from Magical Mystery Tour into All You Need Is Love. This <laughs> It sounds like it's falling apart. Dying to take you away, take you today. Boom, boom, boom. Does no, it's it's yeah, really it's, that's sloppy. the worst one. That is the worst one. Yeah. Well, you know, the B-side was originally supposed to be this uh, 1964 Hard Day's Night interview called Fab Four on film, but yeah, somehow they couldn't get the rights to it or whatever, so they just put out a... Uh, Happy Just to Dance With You. Thank you. Which was uh, B-side for the second time because it originally backed I'll Cry Instead right. in 64. Right. Which in is, America uh, only. Right. U.S. only single. Those weird U.S. singles. Yeah, yeah. And a great one. That's a fun one to have on Apple. Just fun to see. I'm happy just dance with you on Apple. Yeah, uh, you can find Fab Four and film online. Um, I think there are copies, promotional copies, that did include it, but by the time it went to market, it was happy just to dance with you. Hard day is nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello. Hello. This is Paul speaking. Paul McCartney. This is Ringo Starr. George Harrison. Da, 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 da. Hey, what? Paul. Well, tell them about the songs and all that. You know, the title song is, is one that we particularly like. John and I wrote this especially for the film, because, <laughs> I mean, with a title like that, you, you couldn't write it for anything else, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's fab. And I also like it, because I thought of the title. <laughs> Tony, got one more fact for you. In the Cashbox year-end of 1982 charts, this was number 86, the movie medley, ahead Beautiful. of Waiting on a Friend by the Stones at 88 wow. and Bob and Doug's Take Off at 90. There you go. Movie medley beat out Waiting Great Stone. The closer, I think, on Tattoo You, Waiting on a Friend. Cashbox ranked this higher. I'm just waiting. Well, the following month, we get a brand new LP from Paul McCartney. This is Tug of War. This is his 11th solo release, his first release after John Lennon's death. And this is produced by George Martin. So it had a definite kind of a, a Beatles feel to it, at least. I don't know. At least on paper. I don't know. What do you think? 
Oh, I think without question. I mean, yeah. at least at least two of the songs on here are directly inspired by John here today. And, you know, I think it's Tug of War is kind of about their relationship as well. Oh. Take It Away, it kind of harkens back to when the Beatles were just starting out. I think there's Beatle fingerprints all over this album. Now, Paul and George Martin were working together when they learned John Lennon had been killed. By the time they got the news, they were working on... What were they working on? That might have been the Rupert the Bear, We All Stand Together. I thought it was a B-side to something. I thought it was... Was it a song called Rainbow or something? I forget. Uh, Rain Clouds? I think it was Rain Clouds. Yeah. Yeah. Rain Clouds, Ebony and Ivory's B-side. Right. And in the case of the Ebony and Ivory 12-inch, it was Ebony and Ivory, Rain Clouds, and Ivory and Ivory with Paul McCartney singing the song by himself on the the 12-inch. Why do that? It's very weird. It's not as bad as Paul doing it with Hamish Stewart in the 89 tour, which I, since I've been 14, have called Ivory and Ivory. Ivory. I like this record. I, I don't. I like it enough. It's 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 not a favorite of mine. And who cares? Again, who cares? I really liked the song "Take It Away." That is a song I remember hearing on the radio that summer of 1982, when all I did was sit around the house, and I would either watch cartoons or listen to the radio, and it was stuck on WLS 95 FM. Take it away. Wanna hear you play till the lights go down. I really liked that song, Take It Away, especially in the bridge. The bridge still has that 70s feel to it, where I feel like it's still the 70s, you know, and there's still hope that the 80s won't happen. <laughs> you just summed up what's great about the 1982 to me, Tony, is I feel like the 80s really kicked in in 1983. 82 still feels connected to the previous decade. Now, you were seven. I was eight. So we're seeing this with kid rose-colored glasses. For sure. To be sure. But, like, MTV had just... What MTV MTV debuted in late 81? I think so, yeah. It was around. So you're about a year later right now, and then it really explodes in 83 when you've got... Th- you know, Thriller was released in the 82. We'll get to that because a girl is mine. Um, but it's 83, like I mentioned, it's synchronicity, it's sports, it's like a virgin, it's all the 80s exploding. Here's yeah. my original 45 of Take It Away that I had at 8 that my dad bought for me at Downtown Records on State Parkway and uh, just south of Division on State. Nice. And uh, this is, I mentioned on a McCartney episode, it's my favorite solo Paul tune. Some of it's the nostalgia remembering it from that age, but some of it... Like I mentioned on that episode, I think it pulsates more than maybe other than silly love songs. It pulsates more than any McCartney song. 
uh, as a solo artist. And Tony, really quick, it killed me that this was left off all the best in 87. This was a pretty yeah. big hit. It wasn't a number one hit, but no. to leave this off all the best, it, it was finally included in Wingspan, but as part of the history disc, not the hits disc. Like, does mm. the, he's never done it live. Granted, it takes mm. two drummers. It's Steve Gadd and Ringo. But... I, you know, I met Paul, and if I had a time to sit down with him, one of the questions I'd ask is, talk to me about Take It Away, because to me it's a masterpiece, and you've never even touched it live. Lonely driver out on the road With a hundred miles to go So survive has so many fucking good songs it's 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 curious why some of them don't make the live cut you know i agree with you it seems like this song could be played and i don't think you need two drummers i know they had two drummers but you don't need it you know you can still do those beats with one person think how the crowd would go nuts even if you don't really know the song they were playing this my buddy brad pointed this out longtime listener of the program um, pointed out that uh, CBS, I think, was still using this during interceptions like a decade ago on their <laughs> NFL coverage. Nice. <laughs> and like when they show the replay going to commercial, like that's a testament. This to me is one of his greatest songs that for some reasons never gotten the love. But yeah, I love Tug of War. People at the time said it was his best since Band on the Run. Um, Wanderlust is kind of like a, a follow-up to Fool on the Hill. He's got the two uh, two songs with Stevie Wonder. He's got a duet with Carl Perkins on here. Yeah. The whole album feels inspired by his history and the love for him. You gotta get it. Mm-hmm. You gotta get it. Don't forget it doesn't come around again. You gotta get it. Mm-hmm. You gotta get it. And you gotta get it good. Once I had a little Spanish guitar My neighbors told me I could go pretty far Well, I came and I went And my guitar got bent Now, do you think that Carl Perkins playing on Paul's record, do you think that ruffled George's feathers? Yeah, later that fall, that's why George is like, ah, fuck on Trapo. I'm not (laughs) promoting this album for a minute. (laughs) Ah, man, maybe I'll release uh, Circles as a single. (laughs) (laughs) We will get to Gontrapo. I know. But... uh, I don't know. Do do you? I wonder, you know, I wonder because, you know, when they all had fake names for one minute, George was Carl Harrison, named after Carl Perkins, his hero, you know? So George's hero plays on Paul's record, you know, but, uh, you know... George is off doing his like Hawaii music or whatever. <laughs> yeah, although George in '81 invited Paul and Denny Lane and Linda to sing backup harmonies on all those years ago. True. So I don't know if that's before this was recorded or not. I don't have that information in front of me. I think. Look, George. George gave his wife to his best friend that's for like true. a Hanukkah gift. <laughs> you know, like, you know it's yeah. night four. Take my wife, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Now, a song that I, I like off this record, uh, it's definitely a deep cut. It's the, I, To me, it's kind of the strangest song on the record. Dress Me Up as a Robber. You can dress me up as a sailor, but I'm never meant to see. a funk tune it's yeah. a funk uh, argentinian to me it's him trying to do the police you know what i mean yeah a little bit and billy joel tried to do that on the bridge with the song <laughs> running on ice so there's a paul <laughs> billy connection i'm a cosmopolitan sophisticated culture and intelligence the culmination of technology and civilized experience the Police had a hit earlier that year from 1981's Ghost in the Machine that's my favorite Police tune. Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic is technically an 82 song because it wasn't a single till 82, even though the album was the prior year. So that's interesting. Have we talked about the police? We've joked about synchronicities, two bad tracks. Right. Where are you with the police? Um, I I respect them. I like them. There's definitely some songs I, I like from the hits. Um, I've tried giving their records uh deeper spins. I, I went and listened to like their very early singles when they were more of like a punk band or you know, trying to do the punk thing. And um yeah, uh I just respect them as musicians, but there's something about the music that doesn't um get into my heart. I, I did like that song, Every Breath You Take, which is, you know, their big yeah. hit or whatever. Like when that was a current and that was on the radio, like that song, actually, I, I could feel a little something. Um, I like Don't Stand So Close to Me a lot. I think my favorite song by them is um, uh, the one that repeats a lot at the end. Do, 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 da, da, da. No, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think me unkind. Oh, man, I forget what the fuck it's called. But I like songs like the one like Walking on the Moon or whatever that one is. I like that yeah. one all right. What's the one that he keeps repeating? Ah, Roxanne? I can't, no, I don't like Roxanne. Can't Stand Losing You? It must be I Guess I Can't Stand Losing You. Yes, I Can't Stand Losing You is my favorite police song. I love them. I love that they only had, is it five albums? Like they have such a small catalog. Bands like that are kind of easy and the, all the albums are great. But yeah, every little thing she does is magic. It's my favorite police to one of the few to have that driving piano in it. Yeah. Um, they don't think of them as a piano band, but that's like an underrated piano rock classic. Cause it's songs fueled by a piano. Um, yeah. It's interesting because the other Stevie wonder song on this, the non hit uh, to me, is the weakest track on the album. <laughs> What's that you're doing? Feels like a Stevie Wonder song that he's like, "Hey, Paul, can I put this on your album? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can I drop this B side on <laughs> side one <laughs> of your <laughs> thing? <laughs> this is the equivalent of the EP that's in uh, Songs in the Key of Life. Good morning. Good morning. 
afternoon. That to me, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, the 80s have, have finally arrived. Here they are. They're all in all their glory. It's It reminds me of that, like, uh, in uh, Broad Street, when Paul gets in his car and, like, the robot car is like, good morning. Right. You know? Good morning. Or when the Cosby Show kids went to visit Stevie Wonder at the studio, you know, and... Jamming <laughs> like, on the one. Jamming, jamming on the one. On the one. <laughs> Uh, what do you say at a party? Oh, uh, at a party? Uh, oh. <laughs> jamming on the one. Jamming, jamming on the one. <laughs> hey, Theo, how you doing? Do you want something to drink? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my party. All right, see you around, Theo. <laughs> Uh, you know, the biggest hit from this album, one of the biggest hits of the entirety of the 1980s, Tony's Ebony and Ivory, and it was cliched then. I mean, I, I don't have an opinion on it. When I was eight, I thought it was a sweet song. Yeah. I don't hate the song, but like, right. when Me you either. have two, two of the four or five best songwriters in the history of music, it is unfortunate that the best those two could do is Ebony and Ivory. I know, and only in our hearts for you, kisses on the bottom freaks. I know they did that together too. But, uh, you know. Uh, A lot of people got really <laughs> mad right then, TJ. I'm glad you <laughs> assuaged them. How come they don't talk about more I cannot wish you? Um, <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> Angry Chicago guy. Next round's on us, sir. Only your hearts know how much love is there. It is a shame that in this era that began Paul's duets that kind of culminated with the Michael Jackson stuff the following year, that Ebony and Ivory is the best these two brilliant men could do. Yeah. You know, it's got a good message and whatever, you know, there are moments in the song that I do like, and there are other moments that I don't. It is very specific. It's like, oh, this part of the song is like, okay. But then like, oh, that part I kind of like. There is good and bad in everyone. We learn to live. We learn to give each other what we need to survive together. It's nice to hear that's when Paul was collaborating with Eric Stewart a bit more mm -hmm. of 10 CC and like the layered harmonies on Take It Away. With Linda. Those harmonies are amazing on that. And, yeah. and Tony, to your constant point, it validates Linda's presence so much. Yeah, man. Linda was like, rad, man. 
absolutely. Yeah. Um, ebony and ivory. Ebony ivory. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Well, you know, it's it's a PSA that famous, well-off artists can bridge the racial divide. <laughs> 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 and inspire and inspire one of the great SNL sketches in Eddie Murphy's tenure. That that Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo thing is very very funny. I, uh, I'm very much into that tune you do with the Beatle kid. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that looks like a broad. <laughs> his name's Paul McCartney, Frank. This is 1982. Let's get right to the point, huh? You are black. I am white life, son Eskimo pie. Let's take a bite. That was groovy thinking, Lincoln, when you set them free. I am dark and you are light. You are blind as a bat. I have sight. Side by side, you are my amigo. Um, we should talk about the tribute that Paul did for John here today. A beautiful song. Yes. And one he has a hard time performing because it's still too real, I think, right? Yes, and it makes that moment so vulnerable anytime he's, in, whether he's done it for the hundredth time or or early, because he, I think, only brought Here Today out live on that first tour after 9-11 with the 2002 tour that's documented. I'm back in the world, back in the U.S., and he's kept it in the set list, I'm pretty sure, ever since. Maybe not for, like, the one-offs, like the Amoeba stuff. What about the time we met? What about the time well, I we suppose met? that you could say that we were playing hard to get. Didn't understand the thing, but we could always sing. What about the night we cried? Because there wasn't any reason left to keep it all inside. Never understood a word, but you were always there. Yeah, he's kept it in his set ever since that 2002 tour, and he does get choked up. And it's 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 a really vulnerable moment to be in a room with Paul McCartney as he's singing to his you know former partner and brother. And uh, I'm surprised the song wasn't a single. Yeah, "Tug of War," the title track was the third single, right? Didn't really do well. "Tug of War" didn't no didn't crack the top twenty. No, it's not. I don't think it's that good of a song. <laughs> Definitely didn't think it was a single. I would have put that police song out as a single. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the, the good thing is the single omits the grunting. There's no grunting in the oh, single. Okay. I do love how the single fades into Take It Away, and the Take It Away 45 is the clean beginning yeah. without the orchestra, which is neat. Yeah, um, I prefer but yeah, that. You know, I think Somebody Who Cares is, is not the best McCartney song. I feel like those lyrics are pretty uh, pedestrian, the, the third song on the album. You know, The Pound is Sinking is okay, but I think all told, this is one of my five favorite McCartney albums. I mean, Ballroom Dancing is great, and on this version, on Tug of War, you don't get the West Side Story 11-minute mix from fucking <laughs> <laughs> regards to Broad Street that goes on and on. Yeah. I wonder if I have flashbacks from that because I ballroom dancing to me is still four minutes too long. 
<laughs> I love it. Not the Broad Street version. But that's the grease too in you. You know what I mean? That's yes. the showbiz <laughs> yes. stuff in you. Yes, that's why you is. like, like, I can't stand that song. That's <laughs> Honestly, that's why this album doesn't rank for me so much. I think it's because of things like that. I'm like, I can't even take that song. <laughs> Well, I yeah. used to fly when I was a pup. I love it. Those pounding chords with a recipe for a lovely day. John would have been so mad. Like here today's the John tribute. That's the go fuck yourself, John. Is Paul yeah, dancing? That's Paul's. How do you sleep? <laughs> and no question. Paul saying I sleep very well in my show tune world. Wanderlust, before we get off this album, Tony, I mean, this, what a gorgeous riff. I think it's better than Fool on the Hill. It's that same D. I mean, it's a pretty, uh, uh, Brian Wilson covered that and did a decent job of it in that Art of McCartney kind of nightmare uh, tribute album from a couple years ago. So, uh, Tony, uh, Tug of War, massive album for Paul, maybe his biggest critical album until Flowers in the Dirt. But Ebony and Ivory, just to go back on that one more minute, Billboard had that ranked as the number four song in 1982. Do you want to guess what the three songs above it were for the entirety of the year of 82 in terms of sales? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't. Hit me. I believe it's Eye of the Tiger. Okay. Abracadabra. Yes, Steve Miller. And Centerfold. Jake Giles. Another great, forgive the piano, but this riff. <laughs> all right, all right. One, two, three. That, that's a great tune. And I believe number, number V was I Love Rock and Roll. But Ebony and Ivory, again, like one of the biggest hits of the 80s, one of the biggest hits of all time. And, uh, that's on the tug of war album. And that wasn't the only album that had some Lennon tributes that year, Tony. It's true, man. In May, Elton John released empty garden. Hey, Hey Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I actually didn't really know this song too well. I don't remember WLS playing this one, but, uh, I gave it a spin. I, I'm not as big of a, an Elton John fan as probably you or KC. So I had the greatest hits record or whatever on cassette on MCA, you know, or my parents did, I should say. White cassette with the blue cover and the, and the yeah, white Yeah, with text. the blue. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. MCA. Yeah, so that would, that would get listened to occasionally on trips to Iowa or whatever to see family. Um, but I like him. You know what I mean? I like him. I like him, so he's not like I don't like him. Anyway, I'm just giving you my reference on it. I didn't know this. Why song do that you well. hate Elton John? <laughs> I just wasn't familiar. Laughing like children, <laughs> living like children, and <laughs> well, when I was a kid, Rocket Man was like when I was like three, and Rocket Man was like a, a single, or maybe it was just being played on the radio because I think it's older than I am. But um, I loved that song, and I distinctly remember shopping with my mom in the car. 
in the parking lot and asking her to like, let's, can we wait till this song is done? And it was Rocket Man. So I, you know what I mean? Like I did like, I liked Rocket Man. I love um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. That's probably my favorite Elton song. Gorgeous song. That That's, people talk about ELO being son of the Beatles. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road to me is, we, should, we didn't mention that in our Beatles influence show, but there's no Goodbye yeah. Yellow Brick Road without the Beatles. True, man. True. Yeah. And Elton John's got a massive part in the John Lennon story, and that's what makes this song. I didn't know this one concurrent in 82, Tony. This took me to my probably 20s before I heard this song. Okay. Um, I So I, I missed it, too, in real time. But going on a deep dive about the Madison Square Garden concert and then Elton's learning about Elton's contributions to Walls and Bridges kind of made me find Empty Garden. And, you know, it's it's quite literal empty garden madison square garden the yeah. last time john ever ever played live um yeah and the fact that it's not just a tribute song but a tribute song written by a dear friend who was a big part of his last decade on this earth or half decade um it's extra touching this song makes me well up every time i hear it yeah i i, I will say that the verse part didn't grab me but when in the chorus, when he sings those words, Johnny, can you come out and play? That gets Oy, me. Yeah. That gets me. That's the part. Yeah. That's the part, man. That's, that's, yeah. And Elton was reluctant to do it. He thought maybe a tribute song would be clumsy, but he liked uh, Bernie Taupin's lyrics, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a good song. It's a good song. If you, yeah, if you care. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a great one not a huge hit i think it uh hit number 13 on billboard it was number 76 on the year end i mean again it's not one like the ones we'll get into later like I, like i heard joe jackson stepping out a million times oh and abracadabra yeah. and and i ran by flock i'd never i never heard this one in 82 or if i did no. it just didn't stick with me yeah yeah it's more of an adult contemporary song you know it made maybe it was played further on the dial Just 1980, too much to cover in one episode. <laughs> See what I did there? So it looks like we are in for another two-parter. Be sure to tune in next weekend for the thrilling conclusion of our discussion of the greatest year in the history of recorded music, and to find out whether the guys touch on the year's most groundbreaking moment, the birth of everyone's favorite podcast producer. Standing in the corner, Casey drinks his pint of bitters, never glancing in the mirror at the people passing by. And then he stumbles as he's leaving, and he wonders if the reason is the beer that's in his belly or the tear that's in his eye. Ay, ay, ay. 
Thank you again for tuning in and major shout out to Tony Mendoza for the fine editing work on this week's episode. If you like what we do, be sure to tell your friends, subscribe, leave us a quick rating and review on the podcast platform of your choosing. And now without further ado, let's close out the episode with the super deluxe edition reissue that nobody has asked for. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. Can't you see?
say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. <laughs>